Hi, this is Jessica McCoy with Calvary Christian Center. Thank you so much for listening. We pray that this message encourages and inspires you to be everything God has created you to be. We hope you enjoyed this message. You may not feel it, but he's doing it. He's working. Glory to God. Thank you. Can we just thank this praise team today for leading us into the presence of the Lord? What would we do without them? God's presence is so good in this place. We want to jump right into the word this morning. Uh, we, today is our final week of the My House series. Have you enjoyed it? We talked about the dysfunction bunch. You remember that crazy video? <laughs> we talked about communication. Last week, Pastor delivered a powerful word carried to the table who was here last week. We've, we've got testimonies of people that were set free from depression and anxiety. They've been walking free and healed this week. Can we give God praise for that? That's a miracle. That is supernatural things happening right here. And so another real reality that we're going to deal with today when it revolves around our families is building a virtuous family in a virtual world building a virtuous family in a virtual world now come on in 1969 when i was born it was not an issue even in 1990 it was not an issue but in 2019 it's become a challenge and a greater one every day can i get a witness this virtual reality this virtual world that we live in and the truth is that this virtual world that we live in is trying real hard to replace the experienced reality, especially in the home. And it, it, it sucks us all in. Come on, we're all sucked into the vortex, aren't we? From toddlers to seniors. We were actually waiting for a ride at Disney World a few weeks ago, waiting to get on Space Mountain. I guess we just wanted to get sick. Come on. And so we're on the, in that line waiting for that ride. And when we got off, uh, one of my daughters said, you know, Mom, I, I just noticed I was just taking a look as we were standing in the line. And every single person, there was not one that was not looking at their phone. So nobody was talking to one another, but every single person was looking at a phone. It, it's a real issue. And if we are not intentional about it, this virtual world will begin to dictate how we think how we believe and how we perceive real reality. Look at the meaning of virtual. It actually means being on or simulated on a computer. It's a computer created reality. In other words, it's not real. It's not real. It's been made to seem real, but it's not real. And even with our social media and our all of the age of uh, Facebook and Instagram and all of those things, hey, honey, it's photoshopped. Come on, it, it is filtered, it is edited, it is altered, and it is highlighted. It's not real, so we cannot compare real reality to this virtual world. We don't want to live fake lives. We don't want to live lives that are synthetic, but we want to live lives that are authentic. We want to have families that are authentic. We don't want our families to be fake, but we want real love. Come on, somebody. We want real beauty. We want real friendship, real value. How about this? Real worth, real happiness, enjoying real life with real people and experiencing real deep relationships. We, we want to live in real reality and enjoy it. Come on. But one thing we know is that real reality is biblical reality. And that is our source for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding for our lives and relationships. Real life is found in Jesus Christ. So I want to read a very familiar passage to you before we jump into this today. Luke 8, 43 through 46. It says this, And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him, Jesus, and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood staunched. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And Jesus said, somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. 
If we want a virtuous family in this virtual world, it's going to come through Jesus Christ. Will you slip your hands up and let's pray before we talk today? Father God, we just thank you for your word. I thank you for this series, and I thank you, Lord, that you are bringing us as families higher and closer to one another. I pray that your presence and anointing would rest upon this service, that we would be anointed to teach and anointed to hear and anointed to apply this to our lives and families today. In Jesus' name, and let the church shout amen. Why don't you turn to somebody else and let's say, let's have a virtuous family. Amen. You know, when, when you think of virtue, you think of words like purity, right? We think of goodness, we think of pureness, we think of honor, we think of worth, we think of morality, of dignity. All of these are virtues. And when you touch Jesus, when you seek after Jesus, when you reach for Jesus for your home, your marriage, and your family, his virtue changes your reality. Can I get a witness? And so today what we're going to do is we are going to actually talk through every part of the family. We have people here who have given their lives to the ministry of growing children, growing students, and growing young adults in a virtuous reality. And they're called and they are anointed today to help us build strong families. Because you know what? We've got to talk about it, don't we? Are you, are you ready to learn something today? And that's going to help you and your family. So right now, I want you to give Pastor Jennifer, the greatest kids pastor in all the world. Yes, give her a big welcome as she comes. And then Pastor Christian is going to follow her. Good morning, everybody. Are you ready for the word of God today? Man, God is good. Thank you, Pastor Dawn, for this opportunity. And Pastor Rayleigh. The Bible says in Proverbs 22.6, that we should train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That right there is the parent's mission statement for life. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. That is our goal as parents. Our mission is to lead and guide our kids according to the Word of God, according to the Spirit of God and the things of God, so that when they grow old, that will carry with them throughout their lives and to their children and children's children. But how can we best train and prepare them in terms of the virtual world? Because that is the world that we live in. And the Bible says that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. So we can teach our children to be in a virtual world, but they don't have to succumb to maybe the negativities of the virtual world. They can apply themselves to the positive aspects of the virtual world. I want to help you understand today, first of all, though, that electronics in the virtual world is not the devil itself. The devil was around before electronics were around. Amen. Adam and Eve couldn't blame the movie they watched or social media for their downfall. They didn't get inspired by a Facebook uh, post that they saw. Cain didn't kill Abel because he played too many violent video games. See, the, the enemy has been around, and he's working through whatever he has the opportunity to work through, and now he tries to work through the virtual world, so now we have to be wise to his schemes, and we have to be as innocent as doves. See, if Satan can use a tree and fruit, he can certainly use uh, social media, electronics, phones, all of these apps to get a hold of our children's lives and to get a hold of our families. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood, and we have to understand that this is a spiritual thing. So just taking it away from them isn't going to teach them. We have to come alongside of them and guide them and train them in the way that they should go. My daughter got a, her first phone when she turned nine this year, and I wanted her to wait longer because the phone was the devil in my mind, right? My husband said, we need to give it to her now and teach her the right way and train her in the right way. So that's what we've done. Does she, has a, does she have access to everything? No, she does not, right? We are right there leading her in the right way. Parents and grandparents, anybody that has uh, influence in a child's life, it is our responsibility to guard and to guide our kids. It is our responsibility to guard and to guide our kids. See, electronics are a tool. The virtual world is a tool. They can be used for good 
or the enemy can use them for evil. I mean, the gospel is spread around the world through these elements, right? But evil is imparted in people as well. So that we must be training and teaching and guiding our kids according to the word to do the right thing. The Bible says in Ephesians to do not give the enemy a foothold. And so we have to stand guard for our kids to say, no, Satan, you're not going to come through this avenue. We're going to use it for the glory of God in Jesus' name. See, I wouldn't just walk up to my child and hand them a chainsaw. It's a tool, right? And you can do great things with a chainsaw. I mean, you can go to town, right? Who likes power tools, right? But you're not going to just walk up to your kid and hand them those things that would, that would be crazy to you because it's so dangerous, right? And we have to look at these things in the same kind of way that they can be tools, but they also can be very dangerous. You only hand your child what they are mature enough to handle and you teach them how to use it properly, and you closely watch them at all times guiding them, then one day they'll be able to use it on their own. Amen? I know some parents that hand kids a phone when they're maybe five years old because they go off to visit dad on the weekends. They want them to be able to call them. Maybe they go uh, to a school or an environment that they don't feel sure about. But they can just have a phone that only makes calls. They still do make those. Your child does not have to have access to everything on that phone. So you need to be an understanding of the maturity level, the situations, and be on guard. We also must put the right values in our child and teach them how to hear the Holy Spirit so that he can guide them. Because you're not always going to see everything. You're not always going to be there when they grow up. We want them to know how to hear the Holy Spirit, to follow what you have planted in them so that they can be successful for the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. Now, parent, if you're not ready to invest the time to regulate and to guard them, then they are not ready to have these devices. Let me say it again. If you're not ready to invest the time and to regulate and guard them, then they're not ready to have a phone. They're not ready to have a computer because they can't do it without you. They'll not succeed. We must be involved actively. I want to give you a couple of practical tips here. Number one, give time limits. I read a report on CBS News that says that kids 8 years old to 18 years old spend on average more than 7 hours a day looking at a screen. That's TV, that's the phone, that's the computer, 7 hours a day. Listen, kids need to play. They need to go outside and play. They need to ride their bikes. They need to have some fun. They need to imagine, right? Everything is in front of them. They need to learn how to imagine, how to dream. They need to learn how to interact with people in a social environment. So set time limits on the screen and turn it off. My daughter's phone, it has a time limit. She knows after 8 o'clock, the phone is shut down. Like, it literally shuts down. She cannot access anything. There are time limits there. If my kids have watched a certain amount of episodes on TV, I say, after this episode, the TV's going off, we're going to play, we're going to clean, we're going to do something different today. I'm teaching them that they can't be committed to that all day long. Number two, only allow certain apps, video games, TV shows, um, websites that you have personally approved that you have taken the time to look through and you have looked through. We set up my daughter's phone to, re, uh, if she wants to add an app, it sends a permission request to us and we have to grant her access and permission to add that app and we look through it as best that we can. Listen, we cannot let um, media, we cannot let Disney be the filter for our kids just because Disney Channel has it, it's okay, right? Is that true? Absolutely not. Just because it's on Kids Bop Radio, is it for kids? No, it's just grown-up songs with kids singing it. The lyrics and the contents are not always children appropriate. So we have to be the filter. Don't let somebody else be the filter for your kids. Number three, they don't need to take these devices everywhere. The screen is not your child's babysitter. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah, somebody. Okay. There needs to be media-free zones in your child's life and home. The dinner table needs to be sacred. Leave the phone 
and turn the TV off when you're at family dinner table. That is valuable, special time that you can spend with your family for that 20 to 30 minutes. Those things can wait. The bedroom, don't let your child take those things off into the bedroom because you don't know what they're seeing or watching there. Let them be under your visibility. They don't need to have it everywhere. Number four, look at everything. Look at everything. I told you my child, we approve apps. Well, one day I approved one because it looked cute, whatever. It was a little family thing and she enjoys it. It was her favorite one. I was looking through one day and it was showing that the parents go in there and literally make babies on it and stuff. And I said, oh, we are not ready for that yet in my house. And so we had to tell her, I'm sorry, but we turned off your favorite app. And thank God she said, Mom, I was really mad at first, but I know that you have my best interest and you and Daddy are trying to protect me. And so I'm, I understand. And I pray that she says that when she's a teenager still, in Jesus' name. But we're building trust there. I tr they, she trusts that we're looking out for her and we trust that she's gonna do the right thing at the right time as well. Number five, tell them why. Tell them why you turn it off. Tell them why they can't play that video game. Tell them why they can't watch that show. Tell them why according to the word because this is what the word says and this is how we live. And you're gonna tell them why that's not allowed in your home and so that they'll understand that. Um, I believe it's okay to tell them if the reason why is that, you know, something just don't feel right sometimes to you as a parent. I don't know about this show. Something just don't feel right. Sometimes you can tell your child, it just doesn't feel right to me. What are you teaching and training them? That if something don't feel right to them, turn it off and put it away. It's not worth it. You're teaching them and training them those things. Number six, don't freak out. If they see something like my daughter, this video game, I wanted to freak out. What in the world? Turn, take the whole phone away. What's, what is that doing to your kids? Next time they see something, they're gonna be afraid to tell you because you freaked out. So don't freak out. If something comes up that's bad that you don't want them to be afraid to tell you about those things, you wanted to work through it together, thank you for telling me because next time they'll tell you again and you can work through that together as a family. Last one, and this is the biggest and most important one, guys. Lead by example. How often are you on your phone? How often are you watching the channel and your kids are trying to talk to you and you're like, wait, 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 you're messing up the game here, right? How often are you listening to other things? Are you tuned out? We must lead by example for our kids. We must put the phone away at dinner. We must be the ones because they're watching us and they're learning from the way that we're going. Listen, we must bow our heads and we must pray as parents. But how often do they see us bowing our heads this way more than bowing our heads to the Lord and leading them in the way that they should go? Moms and dads, parents, we're all trying to figure it out. You don't have to lead the way and be perfect, but lead the way and show them, as I follow Christ, follow me, and you can survive in this virtual world. Amen? Amen. Give it up for Pastor Christian as he comes here. Come on, do we not have the greatest kids pastor on the entire planet? Pastor Jim, we love you so much. Well, today I have the privilege of speaking to you about Generation Z. Say Generation Z. That is young people from the ages of 4 to 24 years old, but I'm going to key in on the age group of 12 to 20 today. Uh, with my life being immersed in youth ministry, it is absolutely incredible the things that I'm seeing today. So I want to relay some of those uh, statistics to you guys uh, before we move forward today. I did some research, and what I found out is uh, Generation Z spends an average of three hours a day on social media alone. So out of the seven hours a day that they spend looking at a screen, three hours of those are on social media alone. That equals out to 1,095 hours a year, okay? Which equals out to 46 days a year straight looking at a cell phone to look at social media. That is one and a half months looking at a cell phone and social media. That is absolutely insane. And uh, one thing that I'm really beginning to see with the generation because of this is simply this. I see a generation that has absolutely no idea who they are in God. They have no idea who they are in God because everything that they see on social media is built upon image, not identity. And we see a generation who cares more about their image before people than they do their identity in God. And because of this, they are living in a constant place of tension because what they're doing is they're have to, having to manage and live in the space between what I am showing people and what my real self-perception is. 
And so they are painting a picture of who they think the world wants them to look like, all while going behind closed doors and not really liking who they are when they see themselves in the mirror. And so that's the tension that our young people are living in in these days. And I believe that that is a major contributing factor to why the depression rates are going up, uh, the suicidal tendencies are going up, the percentages are rising each and every day. And I did a study and the results that I found absolutely uh, made me almost lose my breath because what I saw in 2010 to 2014 was that the depression rates in the age group of 10 to 20 years old went up and increased by 37%. And it is still rising even today. Now, here's what I found out that happened in that short uh, time frame of four years. There were two apps that are the hottest apps amongst young people even today. Those apps are called Instagram and Snapchat. Now, both of these apps are built completely upon the images that you share. Okay, you can take a picture, you can crop it, you can edit it, you can filter it, you can shape it, you can do whatever you want to do, and then you can put it out there for the world to see. And so what these young people are doing is they are taking pictures of themselves and they are trying to get a predictable response because if I show you what I think you want to see, you can tell me and make me feel a certain way. But how many of you know our young people don't need to draw their value from what the world says, they need to draw their value from the Word of God? Come on. And so... So, so here's what I want you to know. There is over 90% of Generation Z in the age group that I'm talking about that are on social media today. So I want to give you a few red flag indicators. How many want to know some red flag indicators? All right. Now, I'm going to be giving you all some of this terminology, and you're going to say, Pastor Christian, you is crazy. I don't even know what you're talking about. But write this down. Take these notes up because if you hear your students talking about this or you see this on their social media and on their Instagram, it is an indicator that there may be something going on. So on Instagram, uh, there is this thing called TBH that they put on their story, and TBH basically means to be honest. So in other words, uh, they will take a picture of themselves and they'll put it on their story or they'll post it and it'll say, to be honest. In other words, it says, I'm putting a picture of myself out there. Be honest with me about how you feel. Or I'm putting a picture out there and I'm telling you honestly about how I feel. Now, some of my students in here are going to get upset, but I promise you it's just because I love you. All right. All right. So, so then they'll take a picture of themselves and they'll put it on their story and they say something like this, rate me. How, how desperate for identity must we be if we take a picture of ourselves and we let the world tell us what we are on a scale of 1 to 10? Come on, somebody. They'll say, rate me. Then they'll take a picture of themselves dressed in, in any sort of way, and they'll say, be bold. And God only knows what type of messages come through those DMs. All right? Okay. Now, I've even heard I was talking with my students uh, a few days ago and, and was just, just kind of gathering thoughts and hearing what they were saying. And I, I began to learn that students nowadays are creating what is even called uh, spam accounts. I, I hear some yeses out there. They're creating spam accounts. And basically what spam accounts are is it is a secretive account in which they can ventilate their internal emotions. And what they do is they, they allow certain people to see this account. And what they do is this is a place where, where, where it is an outlet for them to share their drama, to share their heartache, to, to talk gossip, to do this, to do that, to do whatever. And isn't it a scheme of the enemy that he would want them to create a secret account as opposed to run to a secret place? And so we need to be there for our young people. Now, the next app that I want to talk to you guys about is called Snapchat. And I'm going to be honest with you. I honestly believe that Instagram can be a great thing uh, if used within parameters. Okay? Snapchat, I say absolutely no for because here's why. Snapchat is an app that enables people to share pictures that will disappear after a certain amount of time. And nothing good can come out of teenagers sharing pictures that disappear. Can I get an amen? And so uh, one thing... Uh, that, that I'm seeing is that young people are trying to do what is called streaks. And basically what that is, is it is a comp, that, that's one of those words I'm like, Pastor Christian, what are you talking about, right? Streaks are basically, it is the length of conversations that students are having together based upon the pictures that they are sending. And the higher the streak, the longer the conversation. So I say Snapchat's a no-go, but praise God, bless, amen, you can do what you want to do. Now, who's ready for some practical application and steps of how to govern and guard your young person on social media? All right, first one, here we go. Be up in their phone. Get in their phone, come on. Come on, you pay the bill, not them. And if they live in your house, you have access to their phone, okay? Be in their inboxes. Follow them on whatever particular social media account they have. Let me tell you something, if they won't let you follow, you, follow them, something's already up. If they won't let you see what they're doing, something is already going on. So follow them, okay? 
Look at who they're following. Look at who's following them. Okay, that is a key indicator of the type of activity that is going on on their social media accounts. So make sure that you're involved. Be intentional. Search their history. Be actively involved in their social media world. You know, this wasn't even in my notes, but it came to me, so I'm going to share it. There is someone that I'm a friend of that his daughter actually was, uh, she was attempted to be sex trafficked through social media through a spam account. So be in the inboxes, be actively involved in your students' lives uh, so that we can protect them and guard them, amen? Now, uh, number two, take their phones at night. Nothing good happens on a teenager's phone after 10 p.m., okay? Take, come on somebody, take their phone at night. Take that thing, they need to sleep. They need to sleep, all right? Take their phone. My students, I love you, but take their phones at night, mom and dad, okay? And if you don't want to take their phones, it's all right. You can create your own password for their social media, and when it's time for, for, for Pookie, like Pastor would say, to go to bed, log them out so they can't even log themselves back in. You can let them have their phone, but they ain't got social media. Come on, somebody. All right. Now, be actively involved. Take their phones at night. Create your own uh, uh, passwords, etc. Now, I'm going to turn it spiritual for the last two minutes and 13 seconds, and then we'll wrap this thing up. Here's what we need in this generation. Are you ready? With the divorce rate being over 50%, we need mothers and fathers who will stand up and tell a generation who they are. Come on. We need mothers and fathers who will sit these young people down and say, you are a beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You are a daughter who is fearfully and wonderfully made. He knit you in your mother's womb. He fashioned your inward parts. You are beautiful. You are the apple of his eye. And you don't need validation from the world when you have been internally designed by the creator of heaven. We need you. We need you to release identity to this generation in love. Set them down and tell them who they are. It blows my mind how my wife and I, week after week, we sit down with students who, according to social media, says they have it all together. And as we begin to sit with them and pour truth into their lives, they break and they cry and they weep because underneath of it all, they're broken and they're wounded and they're hurting. And we need you to be that voice of truth in this generation at home. We need you. Last thing, got 59 seconds. Jesus is about to start his earthly ministry at the age of 30 years old. He comes to the River Jordan and he is about to go into an environment that is full of image, that is full of surface level living. The Pharisees, everything they did was for people to see. They fasted for people to see. They prayed for people to see. You know, they gave for people to see. They, they, they did everything to build and uphold their image. And before the Father sent Jesus into that, he put him in the river. He opened up the heavens and he said, you were my beloved son and whom I'm well pleased. And if we want to save a generation, let's speak identity over them at home before we send them out into the world. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Now, I know Pastor Jen has dealt with our children, and I've talked about our young people and our teenagers, but Pastor Josh is not here today, but he uh, loves this generation and this millennial generation so much that he recorded a video, and if you would turn your eyes towards the screen, he has a special message for us. Hey, everybody. Pastor Josh here. I don't know about you, but I have been absolutely enjoying this series on my house. I know uh, I can't speak for you, but I know for me and my house, my house is being transformed week by week through this series, and I'm so excited to even be a part of today's message about raising a virtuous family in a virtual world. You know, uh, statistics are telling us that social media is an epidemic. It's spreading like crazy. In fact, one, one report said like this, statistics said that uh, the average person spends nearly two hours a day on social media. That means five years, four months, their entire lifetime. So undoubtedly, this is a major issue in the world that we're in. The world is changing. I have 15 years of youth ministry experience, and I have seen uh, the world change right in front of me when it comes to young people who are now young professionals and young adults. So what I wanted to do today is just take a few minutes to echo and to add uh, to what you've already heard. I know the content has been incredible already, and I want to give you just a couple points that I believe that are issues and then 
provide practical uh, solutions for those problems or issues that we're facing, especially those of you who are young adults and young professionals. You know, the world we live in, uh, like I said, is changing, and we're finding uh, that, that young professionals and young adults are actually uh, finding it harder and harder to fulfill destiny and purpose because uh, what they posted a long time ago is walking itself into their today opportunities. So it's important that we address those issues now, make them clear, and provide solutions. Number one, I believe that an issue that is really uh, hurting our millennials, uh, really our young people today in general when it comes to social media, is it's created too much distraction and it's wasted too much time. Uh, created too much distraction and wasted too much time. We spend a lot of time scrolling on the unnecessary. And in doing so, we've entered into a land of comparison. Uh, we've entered into a land of insecurity because in the, in the end, as the more we look at everybody else, the less we discover about ourselves. And so the solution that I bring to you, if you're being too distracted while you're scrolling or you're scrolling on unnecessary things is to commit to a life of self-discovery. Commit to discovering you, finding out what God has put in you, and then to prioritize your life in a matter-of-fact way that allows you to understand that if this isn't moving me towards destiny, then I don't need to be doing it. I'm spending too much time on things that just don't matter. So prioritize your life and then reorder that life to discover yourself. That way you can fulfill your purpose and get to destiny. It's more than purpose. It's destination that God has for you. He hasn't expected in for your life. Number two, uh, one of the major issues that we have is less and less interaction. You know, it's amazing to see. Uh, I heard somebody say it like this. We used to use the internet to escape the real world. Now we're using the real world to escape the internet. Isn't that amazing how it's switched in just a short amount of time? And I believe a lot of people are are doing so, and I think we need to get back to understanding the power of together, the power of connecting with one another. The Bible says that every joint supplies, that there's still power in our joining, our connecting. And it's amazing how in social media we're more connected, but we're really less social. And so the idea that God has given us is that we have to be committed to being connected. We have to be committed not to living a life of comparison, but we need to live a life of supplement. That means we need to be looking how can we make whatever we're attached to better, whether that's the church, whether that's each other, and we need to find opportunities to make somebody else's life uh, greater about what we already have. And as you can tell, number two takes care of itself by fulfilling the first point that I mentioned to you. Number three, uh, it is producing, watch this, the great dumbing and the great numbing. That's what I'm calling it. Over 15 years of youth ministry, what I've seen uh, that's kind of been rather scary to me is uh, the great dumbing down of information. We're probably uh, in a... We probably have a generation right now that's that's not the most biblically literate compared to 15, 20 years ago. And we're losing biblical literacy. And it's amazing how as we creep up in uh technologically, like all the technology and the car competency, we're losing our biblical literacy. And uh, I believe that we got to get back to biblical literacy if we're going to see a true change in our generation. It's hard to beat a devil. Uh, it's hard to beat the enemy when you don't know the word. And so one of the ideas that we want to set is set boundaries and to make sure that we're the kind of people that set the kind of boundaries to know when is enough and is this necessary? Am I supposed to be doing this? Because what we want to do is we want to, to gain and to glean the things in our life that are going to help us confront a real enemy, live in a real world, and make a real difference. Uh, that's where we want to. So set boundaries. I encourage you, millennials, set boundaries. You have, hold, have somebody hold you accountable how much time you're spending on social media, for sure. Also, the great numbing. What we've seen now as a result is a, uh, a whole generation that has become desensitized towards things that are gruesome or gory, and in doing so, the enemy has succeeded because now one of the craziest things is I played a video years back of the Passion of the Christ. It was amazing. Uh, Ten years ago, I played that clip, and young people were running to the altar and crying. A few years back, I played a clip, and nobody hardly moved. Why? Because in all of our video games and all of our media, we're used to seeing people get blown up and shot up in blood. And I believe the enemy has been strategic to numb a generation towards the real uh, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, which was not some theory or some game, but an absolute reality uh, that, that he did that for us. So we got to set boundaries, and we got to be committed to learning. Lastly, it is producing an unhealthy pressure. 
unhealthy pressure. In other words, we're living a life of insecurity uh, where we need instant gratification, instant validation. Uh, we, need, we find ourselves in constant comparison. And somebody said it to me like this. They said, comparison is the slowest form of suicide, the slowest form of suicide. In other words, by constantly comparing ourselves, we're actually killing uh, ourselves in a slow way, the uniqueness, the creativity. And so the answer is we've got to also be committed to discovering ourselves and discovering our identity in a constant and consistent way through God's word. You got to stay connected through small groups. You got to be willing to worship. Just carve out that time. Stop giving time because watch this. It's hard to be curious about what you don't see. Curiosity is only peaked when the eyes have seen the very thing that they're looking at. So let's make sure we're conscious and, and are conscious of, of what we're doing and how much time we're spending. And in doing so, we're going to find ourselves really pushing towards the things that matter. We're going to be pri living prioritized lives, and God will take you to destiny. I hope I've helped you in just the short amount of time that I've shot this video for you. I'm excited to hear what the rest of the service is going to unfold. I love you. Let's make a difference in the world. Let's change it together in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give all of these a hand for bringing this to us today. You know, my husband and I started over again and adopted a little Peyton that most of you are aware of. And so we're back in that. He's 14 now. So we're, we're in this whole zone, you know. And so I, I appreciate, he appreciates just the, just the knowledge, just the insight, you know. And uh, so it's, it is that real challenge of building a virtuous family in this virtual war world. It's different than it's ever been. So I want to just talk a little bit, just a minute, about virtuous marriage in a virtual world because Pastor and I have kind of covered a lot of information. But to have a virtuous marriage in a virtual world simply is this. We must guard it. We must guard it. And uh, one, one way that we must guard it, and with our Facebook, with our social media, all those posts, our social media friendships, we must guard those. And by guarding those, I don't mean hiding messages and posts from your spouse. Come on. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. But guard by not opening the door to friendships that would be questionable for you. You know, an, an old flame. Come on. An ex. It's probably not the best thing if you and your mate get in an argument to go and uh, message an, an ex, come on, uh, and start a conversation with, with some random person of the opposite sex. Probably, probably not your best move, you know? And then those friendships that come at us every day, you know what I'm talking about. Girls, those friends that come and it's a man and he's standing there in a suit and he's either sitting on a very expensive sports car or he's standing in front of a multi-million dollar house and he's just standing there waiting for you. <laughs> You've got him. I know you have. Delete. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and guys, you get the same thing. My husband gets them and it's that half-dressed woman and she's puckered up and she's bent over or whatever she's doing. But she sends you a friend request because she wants you. <laughs> Delete. You know, we, we guard our marriage by not opening the doors to these things that can harm us. You know, statistics tell us that one in three divorces now start as online affairs. It is a very real issue that comes into our marriage and into our home. So we got to protect our marriage by guarding everything that we open online and we don't like to talk about this online deceit and this this online sin I would have to call it because it's an uncomfortable issue but pornography will only pollute your marriage pornography the, the the Bible tells us that even just to look lustingly at a woman is sin in his eyes and so by watching it you're being mentally emotionally and spiritually unfaithful to your spouse according to the Word of God it only hinders it only hurts it only breaks trust and it only ends in a negative way but I have good news if that has ever laid hold of your life I do have good news for you today Jesus Christ can set you free 
Amen. He can, he can break that stronghold off of your life, you know, because it has come so strong against us in this society. The Internet has made it accessible. It's made it affordable, and it's made it so addictive by the way it is right before us, and we have to guard that. And we also have to guard it, like they said, with our children and the things that we place into their hands and the access that they have because it is so easily accessed, and it can lay hold of their life in an addictive way. So we, we, we want to guard those, those areas in our lives. But also, uh, and Pastor Jen touched on it a little bit, but even in our marriage, phone time versus family time. Phone time versus couple time. We have to guard those ways by creating boundaries. I heard that word a lot boundaries. We got to set those boundaries in our marriage. We got to set them with our natural world, our real reality, as well as the virtual world. The deception of this virtual world is that we neglect and we abandon one another while sitting in the same room, while laying in the same bed. But yet we're in no way connected to one another. Protect your time together. If you're married, protect your time with your spouse. Even plan special times with your, with your spouse. Pastor and I have always made that a real strong practice in our lives. And I have to say, it always encourages and enriches our marriage when we take that time to lay aside anything else but just to focus on what, one another. You see, without set boundaries, this fake world will take priority over the real world and you'll become disconnected from each other. You'll know more about somebody's life that's in mainstream media or on Facebook than you'll know about somebody in your own home. You'll know more details about them, what they like and what they do, more than you even know what's going on in your child's life or in your husband or wife's life. So protect your marriage. Set, set boundaries. Guard it. Protect it. It's special. Do everything you can to protect it. Now I want to go back, and I want to grab this scripture as we close today, and we wind up this My House series. And it's the scripture that I read in the very beginning in Luke, when there was a woman that had an issue of blood. And what you have to know about in those days is whenever you had an issue of blood, you had to be separated from anybody else. You, you couldn't touch them. They couldn't touch you. And here is this woman with this issue of blood. It's a very familiar text. And Jesus said when she reached out, he said, somebody touched me, for I perceive virtue is gone out from me. This woman had an issue, and it had separated her from her family. It had separated her from all the relationships in her life. She had spent all of her money. She had spent all of her time and resources trying to change it. After 12 years, what money could not do and doctors could not do, what her own trying could not do, when she touched Jesus, everything changed. The issue that divided her from her family and friends was healed when she touched Jesus. So whatever would be dividing you, whatever would be dividing your house, whatever would be dividing you in your marriage or in your home or with other relationships, when you touch Jesus, everything can change. Why am I saying this today? Because we can hear all of these great uh, suggestions and nuggets to take home and apply. And if we're honest, I'm right there with you. We can, we can do everything that we know to do. We can take the phone. We, we can make decisions. We can set boundaries. We can do everything in the natural sometimes that we can do to make things right, to make a child mind, obey, to restore a marriage. We can try it all and it not work. Am I being real? But what I'm wanting to show you in this scripture this morning is this woman who was in pursuit of the one who could do what nothing else could do for her. Woo! And what I know about the word of the Lord is that if it was true for her, then it's true for me. If it was true for her in that day, it is true for you in this day. Jesus is the same.
And we can do all we can do sometimes in the natural to cover our families, to teach them, and to guard our lives and protect those who loves. we love. But there is only one, only one who can heal us. There is only one who can restore us. There is only one who can deliver us. There is only one who can save us from the issues beyond our ability. And to have a virtuous family in this virtual world, in this world we live in, a healed family, a whole family, it is going to come through the pursuit of Jesus Christ. Oh, we can do all of the natural things, but can I get a witness today that when you can't, Jesus can. Have you ever been through something, a trial, a situation, and everything you tried didn't work, but when you touched Jesus, when you began to pursue Him, when you began to pursue His power, when you began to pursue Him to change it, can I get a witness, did it change? Has He ever moved for anybody? Hallelujah. And this is what I'm wanting you to see today. That this woman was in pursuit of him. She was desperate to touch him. And when she touched the answer, the answer touched her. Woo! I'm here to remind you today that if you'll reach out and touch the answer, the answer will touch you. It'll touch your family. It'll touch your marriage. It'll touch your home. It'll touch every situation. You see, in this scripture there, Jesus said, I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. The word virtue in the Greek is, Greek is actually dunamis. And dunamis means this, it means strength. It means ability, it means power. It even means power for performing miracles. Ah. Ah. I declare unto you today, I still believe that our Savior, our Deliverer, the one who laid his life down and shed his blood, he still possesses the same power to perform miracles in your life, in your family, as he did with this woman with the issue of blood. Listen, culture may change, but Jesus never changes. He remains the same. Hebrews 13, 8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. After 12 years of trying everything else, she sought Jesus. Somebody shout Jesus. Jesus knew when this woman touched him because it wasn't just a casual touch. It wasn't just a happenstance of her brushing up against him. But it was a deliberate pursuit. It was her going after him with everything she had because she had to touch him. She had to get his attention. She had to be in his presence. She had to lay hold to the hem of his garment. And there was something else at work that I see in this woman. She believed. Whew. When she began pursuing him for her issue, she didn't go with doubt. She believed. She went to him to touch him because she believed if I touch him, he will work on my behalf. If I touch him, his word will be true. If I touch him, everything he is is going to touch me. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm here to remind you today that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds in Jesus' name. It is these weapons that we use. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Hallelujah. Lord, we bless you today. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just release miracle-working power. Miracle-working power over this situation in the name of Jesus. Lord, we're hungry to touch you. Come on, somebody. Let's give God praise right now. Because he's turning some things around. He's turning some things around. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Isn't that what church is about? Thank you, Lord. But she believed and she pursued him. And listen, difficult and challenging seasons in the home can distract us from our pursuit. Am I being real? 
We can be the strongest Christian and we can have a strong prayer life, but we can go through a situation right in our home that's challenging us, that is coming strong against us and it can distract us from that pursuit. Our prayer time can get taken over by worry time. It can get taken over by trying to figure it out time. It can get taken over by I'm so done with it time. How about this? I'm losing my mind time. We'll give more effort to that than we'll be given to the pursuit of touching the one who can actually change the situation. And I feel like the Lord brought me here today at the end of this to remind you that when everything else doesn't work, He works. It's time to get prayer back in the house. If you've been distracted, it's time to get prayer back in the house. The enemy knows that prayer works, and that's why he diverts your focus with all the distractions that he would bring against you. Because he knows once you touch Jesus, everything can change. Hallelujah. Get a desperate thirst for God. Get a desperate thirst for him to build your house. Get a desperate thirst for him to change that son or transform that marriage or change that daughter or to bring revival or anoint you to lead and to love your family. Because hear me, Isaiah 45, 19, God said, I would not have told the people of Israel to seek me if I could not be found. We have a God who wants us to find him. He's not hiding. He's just saying, if you'll seek me, you'll find me. That's what Jeremiah said. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So just like this woman, when you leave this place today, I want you to realize if it worked for her, it's going to work for me. I believe if I can just touch him, if I can lay hold to the hem of his garment, everything can change. He will touch you. When you call on his name, everything can change. Pursue him until his miracle power flows into your marriage. Pursue him until his miracle power heals your family, transforms your issue. He is an unlimited God with unlimited power. And prayer can do anything that God can do. Somebody give God a shout of praise this morning. Prayer can do anything that God can do. It can bring you peace. It can bring you rest, but it can bring you deliverance, and He can restore your family, and it can restore your home because God can restore your family. He can renew your mind. He can heal your heart. Come on. Prayer can do anything that God can do. Let me ask you this morning, can God save your children? Can God heal your marriage? Can God turn your situation around? Prayer can do anything that God can do. Pursue Him and lay hold of Him in prayer. And I'm not talking about a casual touch. I'm talking about a deliberate laying hold. I'm talking about a believing heart. I'm talking about going to the Lord in prayer and knowing your authority in the name of Jesus Christ over every satanic attack and spiritual warfare that's rising up in your home or coming against your child in the name of Jesus. I tear it down. I break it. I bind you, spirit of fear, out of this house. I bind your anger. I bind disobedience. I bind rebellion off of their mind. I rebuke it. You have no right in my home. Child of God, somebody reach out and touch Jesus for your family because when everything you do don't work, Jesus works. Hallelujah! Woo! Glory to God! Somebody give the Lord a shout of If you would like to be a part of what God is doing here at Calvary, you can give online at calvaryofl.com or you can use our app. We hope this message encouraged you to experience the spirit, embrace the lost, and live the life. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you soon.